This is Redemption Radio with Pastor Cody King of Redemption Calvary in Commerce City, Colorado. Here's a preview from Pastor Cody of today's message. When you know what time it is, you know how to live because time is short. It's time to preach the gospel because time is short. It's time to stop messing with the nonsense of the world. It's time to press forward into the things of the Lord. Don't live a mediocre Christian life. Don't just live this sort of half-baked religious thing. Press into maturity in Christ. Be that perfect man that the scripture talks to us about. When you're saved, There's a celebration in heaven that you have an eternal home with Jesus. But too often, that's where people stop growing in their relationship with God. As Pastor Cody is going to show you today, there's a whole world of lost people out there that need the same hope you do. As you mature in your faith, more responsibility is placed on you. And one of those is telling others about Jesus as you keep growing in Him yourself. It's not news meant to be kept to yourself. It's to spread to everyone. Now, turn in your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 13 and join Pastor Cody for today's edition of Redemption Radio. Don't do this. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't lie. There's every single one is written in the negative. Why do you think God would say that? Because it's the stuff you want to do. It's the stuff you're naturally drawn toward. It's easy. Have you ever been in a situation where it was really easy to lie? And you had to really try hard not to lie? Or is that just me? Have you ever been in a situation where it was really easy to take that thing? Nobody was going to know. Nobody would ever account for it. You're the only one who would know. And Jesus, he would know too. But, you know, he's not standing right there physically, so it's easier to do it. You see... All of these things are put up by the Lord as guardrails so that we know how to treat one another and also how to honor Him. You see, the call by God is for us to love one another. Why? Because He loves us, He loves you, but He also loves them. And when we do this, when we don't treat people this way, when we deny ourselves, it is an act of love to them. His love for them drives our love for them. You see, this love and law connection is the same one that Jesus made in Matthew 22, 36 through 40, where he said this. It says, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law And all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Isn't that the way it says it there at the end of verse 9? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, this is the teaching that we gain from Jesus in this as well. This basic concept here is that when your focus is on loving others, you don't need to worry about fulfilling the law because you're already doing it. When you're just thinking about focusing on loving someone else, You're already fulfilling the law. Notice how it says in verse 10, it's sort of a synopsis or a wrap-up statement. Love does no harm to a neighbor, 
Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. When you're loving someone, you're not attacking them. You're not going after them. It does no harm. And this is where the self-denial component becomes really, really clear. Like we said, each law in verse 9 is written from the negative or what you don't do. And so when you purposefully hold yourself back from that stuff, you're not holding yourself back from it because you want to fulfill the religious obligation of what God said. You're holding yourself back from it because you're loving them. I'm not going to steal this, not because it's technically a bad thing to do, but because I'm going to honor and love them and I'm going to love the Lord. I'm not going to lie right now, not because I just, you know, it'd make me feel bad or, you know, my mom, she might get mad at me if she knew I was lying. I'm going to not lie because it's loving to them to not lie. Self-denial becomes this deeper step into maturity and where you show love. You see, here's the reality. Natural, unbridled human desire will lead you into committing all of these sins, all kinds of sins, because the problem isn't out there. The problem is in here. The problem isn't some external thing, external force out there. The problem is within you and me. This is why the whole thing with like monks and nuns and all that stuff, it's why it all failed. They thought the problem was sin was out there. It was all those bad people out there. So we're going to go set up a monastery and go live somewhere else away from all the bad people. And you know what they found out? They were still sinners. The problem followed them because the problem was them. It's the same with you and me. We can't think that we're just going to hide away from the world and the church and it's like we're all going to pretend like we're the nice good people and they're all the bad people. No, the truth is we're all bad people. And apart from Jesus and his intervention in our lives, apart from his salvation that he provides by his blood, there are no good people. That it's when he invades us, when he takes over, when he removes our sinfulness and gives to us his righteousness, that's when people become good. Not because of our trying harder, not because we know the words of the law and we try to fulfill it and we do our best. It's Christ in me that's the hope of glory. That's where it comes from. The problem isn't out there, it's in here. It's within me. If you value you more than me, then you're going to abuse me, you're going to take advantage of me, you're going to use me. And God's law limits our fallen human desire for what is evil. The reason God says don't do these is because that's what your natural tendency is to do. And he says there in verse 10, therefore, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Not doing what you're naturally driven toward is to live in love toward others on that adult level of maturity, and it's called self-denial. You see, it's impossible to love people and also intentionally injure them. It's not possible. You can't do both. I mean, I guess if maybe you're a surgeon, you could try, you could do that. But you know what I'm saying, right? We're not talking about surgery. We're talking about stealing and lying and committing adultery and all those things, all the things that are listed here, and whatever other law, like it says there in verse 9, whatever thing that's not listed there, if it has to do with injuring somebody else, it can't be love as well. All right, secondly, not only deny self because Jesus loves others, but also deny self because Jesus is coming. Look at verse 11, he says this, and do this, do what? Well, all the stuff we just said. Right? Deny yourself in these ways. Do this knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Do you feel the urgency when you read that? 
It's now, it's high time, right now, wake up. There's this urgency written there in verse 11. You see, to deny your sinful flesh and the tendencies through self-control is all motivated by a specific knowledge, knowing the time. Time drives nearly everything in our lives, doesn't it? What do you do that doesn't involve time? What do you do that's not controlled by time? I mean, think about just church today, right? Our service starts at 10 30. And so you had to think about, okay, well, I got to drive to church. If you drove here today, I got to have time to eat. I've got to have time to get coffee because that's from the Lord. I got to have time to take a shower and get ready. And I don't just wake up looking this pretty. There's some stuff that's got to happen in order to get there. And so that all adds up to what time do I set my alarm? right? And that's the time I get up. And then, you know, later on, there's a time where you've got to be somewhere later on today, maybe. And there's people that are going to meet you there at that certain time. And at the end of the day, there's going to be a time where it's time to go to bed. Time drives everything about our lives. You see, when you don't know what time it is, you lose urgency for the necessary and important activities in your life. When you forget what time it is, you lose urgency. You become inactive, you become disengaged, you can even become lazy, just sort of lulled to sleep, going through the motions. And so Paul says, it's high time right now, essentially the alarm's going off, do you hear it? Do you hear what's happening? Do you know what time it is? Are you sleeping through the alarm? Are you just hitting snooze and rolling over? What's going on? Because right now, something is taking place and there's a perpetual conforming of the world on your soul. Remember that from chapter 12, verse 2? Don't be conformed to the world because there's this pressure from the world to constantly get you to be like the rest of the world. And its design is to lull you to sleep, to keep you inactive in your faith. And when you are lulled to sleep, the sleepy Christian is going to be indistinguishable from the world because they indulge themselves instead of deny themselves. That's the way the sleepy Christian looks. Notice what he even says there. Look, uh, verse 13, there's a list. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness and lewdness and lust and strife and envy. When the Christian is asleep, the sleepy Christian, they just do what the world is doing. Doesn't that look like what the world does? This just looks like if you have friends that are not saved, this describes the way that they generally live. Not because they're evil, terrible people, but because they're not saved. Because that's just the default in life when Jesus isn't your king. He's not your ruler. So what is the spiritual time? Well, notice he says there, it's time to wake up. Why? Because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. What he's talking about is that Jesus is coming back. And that Jesus' return is eminent, meaning it could happen at any moment. There is nothing left on the prophetic calendar to happen prior to the coming of Jesus. That there's literally nothing left. This was sort of true in Paul's day, but that's because he didn't understand that Israel would no longer be a nation around 70 AD. It would be uh, sacked. Jerusalem would be sacked and destroyed, and then it would cease to be a nation, but it would become a nation again in 1948, I want to say. I think it was May 1948. Israel becomes a nation again, and so we see Ezekiel being fulfilled right in front of our eyes in our time where this nation that ceased to exist is coming back as a nation, something unprecedented in human history. And now that sets us up to where nothing else needs to take place for the coming 
of Jesus, the return of Jesus. The next event on the prophetic calendar is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, the rapture of the church. When Jesus will call his church from the world, and that begins what is called the second coming of Christ, which is an event that uh, takes place over about a seven-year period, including all of the end times things of Revelation, and then Jesus returns to earth physically with all of us. He's going to come out of the heavens. We're all going to be with him. His foot's going to touch the Mount of Olives, according to um, Zechariah, and he's going to touch the Mount of Olives. We're going to follow him into Jerusalem through the east gate where Jesus is going to sit on the throne in the temple, declare himself to be God and rule and reign for a thousand years. Amazing. And that, we're at a tipping point for that. It's like the dominoes are all set up and all that has to happen is Jesus pushes that one domino of rapturing his church and all of it takes place. All of it's established. All of it's set up. And so he's saying, don't get lulled to sleep. Don't, just because it's taking longer than people thought, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. That's what the argument was in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. Well, they're saying that Jesus is going to return. He hasn't come back yet, so what are you talking about? And that's the same thing that's being said today. There's just this forgetfulness about the return and rapture of Jesus that we've got to keep that at the forefront of our minds because that wakes us up. When you know what time it is, you know how to live because time is short. It's time to preach the gospel because time is short. It's time to stop messing with the nonsense of the world. It's time to press forward into the things of the Lord. Don't live a mediocre Christian life. Don't just live this sort of half-baked religious thing. Press into maturity in Christ. Be that perfect man that the scripture talks to us about. So how do we do that? Well, verse 12, it says this. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. You see, the only human response is to abandon darkness and pursue light because you can't hide from Jesus, so you should prepare for him instead. Instead of hiding, prepare for him. And the imagery of this is uh, the imagery of changing clothes. It's like you take off the clothing of darkness and put on the clothing of light. It's the, that's the imagery that's being given to us here. The default human position is in darkness. That's your default position. That's the default position of your friends and your neighbors and your family and all the people around you, that the default position is darkness. But you can change clothes. You don't have to stay in the clothing of darkness. You can put on the clothing of light. And it's the clothing, how do you get it? Well, it's the clothing Jesus gives you. He gives you his perfect clothing. Notice it says there, it's not just clothing, but it says put on the armor of light. It's to say that you're in a spiritual fight, so get dressed for the fight. Stop sitting around thinking that it's just hanging out and having a good time. That's not what this is. All this revelry and drunkenness and lewdness and lust and strife and envy, it's not a good time. It's not a party. It's actually darkness. It's actually a spiritual fight. And until you put on the armor of light, you're not ready to fight that. Where does the armor of light come from? It's Jesus and his righteousness. That's where you get it. Now, in that, not only is changing these clothes, but it also says in verse 13, let us walk properly, as in the day. Not doing the things 
of the night, but doing the things of the day. That idea of walk, it's Bible language for the consistent general course of your life. That there's this consistent progress in a certain direction toward a destination. You're going somewhere. That when you walk, it may not be fast, but you're progressing. You're moving that way uh, little by little. David Guzik says it like this. You need to have a right walk with Jesus instead of a sleepwalk with Jesus. I like that. I think that's really, really good. How many of us can tend to slip into that idea of just being asleep and sleepwalking? A right walk is this. It's with Jesus. A right walk of your life, the right course and direction of your life is with Jesus. It's in Jesus. It's by his strength, by his power, by his capacity, by his ability, by his renewing you. And it's also to Jesus. The point is to get to him. So it's with him, it's in him, and it's to him. He's the focus of everything in a life well lived. Jesus said it like this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. This is the general course of life. And what a walk. Walk like it says there in verse 13, properly. A proper walk, what it looks like. You see, it's amazing what we can do while we're asleep. Isn't it? You can talk while you're asleep. But it's amazing what you can do. You can talk, you can hear, you can walk, you can think, you can have thoughts while you're asleep. You can even sing while you're asleep. Those are all things that Christians can do even at church, isn't it? It's quite possible to be asleep and yet doing all of these activities. It's quite possible for us to be going through the motions of what looks good on the outside and yet be asleep on the inside because activity is not always an indication of being awake. And so the world lifts up sin and calls it life. It says, you want to be alive? Come do this with me. Come do this with us. This is where it's found. We're going to live in revelry and drunkenness. We're going to live in lewdness and lust. We're going to pursue strife and envy and just chase after whatever we want, whatever satisfies my needs. And whatever the world lifts up and calls life while God condemns sin for what it truly is. It's a liar and a thief that only brings death and destruction. That's all it is. Whatever you think you're going to get, you're not going to get. You see, there's no life in sin. It can't deliver your true heart's desire. It only gives fake, counterfeit, cheap replicas of what God alone has. You're not going to get that satisfaction in life that you think you're going to get from that sin. Sin offers you the things you desire, and sometimes they're right things. Sometimes sin says you can have the thing that you desire, but what it does is it cuts God out of the equation. It either gives you a shortcut and says we don't have to go God's way, or it perverts the good thing that God made and said let's change it and let's do it this way instead. That's what sin does. You see, these sins have to do with me valuing my pleasure, my comfort, my status, my satisfaction, above you and your value as an image bearer of God. Isn't that what that is there in verse 13? When you live in this stuff, when lewdness and lust and drunkenness and revelry and strife and envy, when they define your life and they're all the things you're chasing down, what it's saying is I value me more than you. I'm willing to use you to serve me. I'm willing to take from you and to give to me. And so I'm taking your value as an image bearer of God and I'm reducing it. I'm making it something that is just so uh, invaluable that I can just use you for my own purposes. You see, these sins have to do with me valuing my pleasures, my stuff. Verse 14, but 
Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. You see, the wrap-up statement of it all, the way it all comes together, is that we've got to take darkness off and put light on. And far too many Christians are trying to put on Christ while keeping their darkness on. They're trying to put on new clothes. They're trying to put on the new clothes of righteousness that Jesus gives while not first casting off and repenting and getting rid of the clothing of darkness. And it just doesn't fit right. It doesn't really come together correctly. It's like trying to put on multiple shirts or whatever. It just isn't fitting right. It looks and feels strange. And here's the crazy part. Unbelievers see it. They say things like, you're not supposed to do that, are you? I mean, I didn't think Christians talked like that. I didn't think Christians went to those kinds of places. I didn't think Christians did those kinds of things. They see it too. They know it. It's very clear for those who are non-believers to say, that doesn't look like Jesus. It's very simple and very clear. And so what we're told there in verse 14, make no provision. Make no provision for the flesh. Don't make opportunities for it. In uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 13, Jesus had been... He'd been fasting for 40 days. He's out in the middle of the wilderness by himself. And Satan comes to bring temptation. Right? And Satan brings these temptations. And Jesus endures the temptations of Satan. And we see the same account in Matthew chapter 4 as well. But in Luke chapter 4 verse 13, it says something very different. It says this, that Satan left Jesus until an opportune time. That Satan was looking for an opportunity. He was looking for a chance to bring temptation into the life of Jesus. And it kind of shows us the thing that's taking place behind the veil in that spiritual world. Satan's looking for an opportunity. He's looking for an opportunity in your life. So here's a little tip. Don't give him one, (laughs) right? Like he doesn't need any help. So don't make provision for your flesh. Well, I mean, what are you keeping that around just in case? Just in case what? You feel like diving headlong into sinful foolishness? Like, like, why would you keep sin around? Why would you leave that access open? There is no just in case. When you come to see it as a sin in your life, you cut it off. That's why Jesus said, cut off your hand if it causes you to sin. Pluck out your eye if it causes you to sin. Because it's better to go into heaven maimed than it is to go into hell having all your parts. Now here, let me ask you this. Has your hand ever caused you to sin? Of course not. It doesn't control you. You control it. So Jesus isn't talking about cutting off your body parts. What Jesus is talking about is being willing to take extreme action when it comes to sin. Cut off the avenues that allow you to go headlong into sinful things. You see, you got to cast it off and put on Jesus. This is why you're overpowered by your sinful desire while your growth is stalled, while you feel condemned, it's because you won't cut it off. You keep making provision instead of throwing it off, putting on Christ. John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says this. Jesus says, I'm the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a right and satisfying life. Let me ask you this as we close. Are you looking for an abundant, rich, satisfying life? I'm going to guess you are. Because this is a common human thing. We all want this. 
We all want an abundant, rich, satisfying life. It's what every single person is hoping for. It's what their longing is possible. They're hoping it's possible. Maybe it is out there. Maybe I can have that kind of a life. Well, here's the thing. Jesus says he gives it. He alone has access to that life that you and I need. He's the doorway. Through him, you get into salvation. And you know what you find on the other side of the door when you come into Christ? There's a narrow path. And that's Jesus as well. And you know where he's leading you to? That path is leading you to? At the very end of that path is Jesus again. He's everything. There is nothing beyond him. There's nothing more than him. There's just deeper relationship in him. And as we pursue him in spiritual maturity, the key component is self-denial. That Jesus is calling us to let go of our sinful desires in order to hold on to what he has for us, because that's where the abundant life really is. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Redemption Radio, as we study the book of Romans with Pastor Cody. Romans gives you an in-depth idea of what to believe as a Christian, but also how to apply that as you live it out. So think about it this way. Is what you say you believe consistent with what your life is living out? It's a bit of a heart check, right? Would your life be an accurate mirror to what you claim to believe from the Bible? We hope that you continue referring back to the book of Romans and the Bible in general for guidance on how to live your life. For additional resources and to hear this message again, head over to redemptioncalvary.org. You can listen to additional messages from this series, and you can also subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a single message. Once again, that's redemptioncalvary.org. If you'd like to request some prayer about what you're going through, or how things relate to what you heard today, you can reach us at 720-466-5358. Again, that number is 720-466-5358. If you're interested in knowing more about this ministry or want to learn more about Redemption Calvary located in Commerce City, Colorado, please visit our website, redemptioncalvary.org. That's all the time we have for today. Join Pastor Cody next time for another look at the Book of Romans right here on Redemption Radio. Redemption Radio.